Welcome to the smartest doctor in the room with your host, Dr. Dean Mitchell, interviewing the leading doctors in the country to get insights into the best medical treatments available today. Not everyone has access to the best specialists, but you can advocate for yourself and learn the right questions to ask your doctor and the best possible treatment options. Remember, what you know can make a difference in your healthcare. Welcome to the smartest doctor in the room. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Mitchell. Supplements, which ones are a must and which ones are a bust? That's the title of today's podcast, but we'll be talking about a lot more things. I recommend and personally take multiple supplements with the hope of boosting my immune system and protecting against inflammation that goes on with aging. But I see many of my patients taking 20, 30, sometimes more supplements that sometimes I believe have questionable benefit and are actually quite costly. My guest today, Dr. Ray Schilling, is a Canadian physician who has become one of my favorite medical writers on the app Quora. If you're not familiar with Quora, you should download it on your iPhone. It's the red little app, and boy, you get a lot of information on many topics. It's funny, just as an aside, I happened to get into Quora because I was very interested in cryptocurrency. I find it very fascinating, and Dr. Schilling's answers kept on popping up on my feed. And sure enough, I got addicted to his answers because I thought they were so succinct, well done. And again, as I said, became a, a really good source of information for me. Dr. Ray is a member of the American Academy of Anti-Aging, and he has written some excellent books, which I've read a couple of them, A Survivor's Guide to Successful Aging, also Healing Gone Wrong, Healing Gone Right. So with that, I'd like to welcome Dr. Ray Schilling to the podcast. Thank you for the introduction, Dr. Mitchell. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm interested about a few things. I, I like to always get into people's background a little bit before we get into the medical part. And I know you mentioned this immediately in your books that you studied medicine in Germany. And then after finishing medical school, you uh, then emigrated, I believe, into residency in Canada. And then for a while, you did some cancer research and then transitioned to family medicine. So could you tell us a little bit about your path? And also what led you to this area of like anti-aging and what we call functional medicine? Sure. I wanted to avoid being on call. No, that's so a that's good why, reason. <laughs> that's why I thought it would be good to be in cancer research where you have an eight to nine <laughs> hour drop. But it backfired a bit because I found it was tiring to do cancer research. And I was working with mice instead of with humans. I did that for three years, but eventually I decided I would go back to medicine. I did the cancer research in Toronto at the Ontario Cancer Institute. And I did my clinical training at the McMaster University uh, in Hamilton, Ontario. Sure. Then I had to pass another exam, the Canadian state exam. It's called LMCC. Then I went to practice in British Columbia in a town called Langley. It's a suburb of Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm. Do you mind asking, why did you leave Germany to go to Canada? I mean, Germany has an excellent, obviously, medical system and medical... It was more personal reasons. Yes, uh, okay. I, I'm too, too open-minded for Germany. Mm, interesting. <laughs> Germany is very... Okay, no, interesting. When I grew up, it was very conservative, mm -hmm. and I didn't fit in. I was too... You were radical. Basically. Okay, yeah, all right. Okay. But for Canadian tastes, I fitted in. <laughs> All right. That's very good. All right. So tell me also a little bit, I'm fascinated how you got involved with Quora. And obviously you're very prolific answering questions every day. I think you have several million followers on Quora. 
Mm-hmm. And did that lead to the extension of writing these books? Did you write the books first and then you were answering Quora or did you do the Quora first? I I'm just wrote, curious. I wrote the books first and I'm taking, I'm based with this experience. I felt it should get out into public and I sort of stumbled upon Quora. And that, yeah, really that could keep you busy. It helps for my two websites too. I noticed that people are visiting my websites. It's uh, nethealthbook.com mm. and the other one is called askdrray.com. Okay, so could the patients know that. Your writing is extremely succinct, methodical, beautiful illustrations. I'm just curious, how long does it, I, I've answered questions on Quora, you know, on immunology and allergy in, in areas. And, you know, I quickly write out my answer, whatever. You do beautiful illustrations. How long does one answer take sometimes? Does it take a, like an hour or a couple hours? It depends on whether I take an answer that I already wrote on Ask Dr. Way. Okay. And then you will see it on the bottom previously published there and there. Okay. Net Health's book. I could take a chapter from Net Health's book. But I'm looking for an exact match. So that the question has to match what I'm writing. Okay. And I think I'm a better writer than I'm actually in words. Like I'm a bit nervous when I talk. It's okay. Yeah. No, some people are better expressing in writing. Your writing is very clear. I have to tell you, because you know, I, I look through a lot of things and I, even your books, I enjoy reading because you get to the point very succinctly and clearly. So it's really very easy reading, especially for the lay person. I mean, obviously as a physician, I, I have a little bit more background, but I found it even really interesting. So that's why I want to do this interview with you. All right, let's get into some of the things that you talk about in your books, because maybe again, we can explore that because there are very, quote, hot topics in anti-aging, in what we call functional medicine. People are very interested. It seems to be an epidemic. Now, in your book, The Survivor's Guide to Successful Aging, you, in one of your early chapters, talks about metabolic syndrome. Do you think you could explain for listeners what that means and how you interpret metabolic syndrome? Metabolic syndrome is linked to obesity and being overweight. Okay. Because when you start gaining weight, you also produce a lot of cytokines and that causes inflammation. But uh, there's also metabolic changes because you have too much sugar and starch and that leads to too much insulin production and that changes the whole metabolism. At the same time, the extra sugar is metabolized in the liver. So that leads to production of triglycerides and uh, LDL cholesterol. The LDL cholesterol is being oxidized by sugar. That makes uh, LDL very aggressive and gets into underneath the lining of the arteries. That causes heart attacks and strokes. So in the beginning of my book, I wrote about uh, the Framingham Heart Study, which is a very important study. It sort of analyzed uh, how all these various factors come together, like it starts with smoking. Smoking is a bad habit that leads to hardening of the arteries, but also to cancer. So all of these various bad influences come together, including the metabolic syndrome. So let me ask you this. Unfortunately, too, most doctors that I'm aware of, I think, do not record a patient's BMI. Again, there are charts for this. And that's probably where it starts, because sometimes somebody could look not overweight, but have a high basal metabolic index, BMI, and that puts them at risk. So I think sometimes it would surprise people. So what do you recommend? Do you recommend patients find it out themselves? And is it just by looking at a chart? Is there a better way to measure that, to know whether really or not you're obese or at risk for metabolic syndrome? 
I have electronic scales where I measure all of this. Every mm-hmm. morning, the first step when I get out of bed, I step on the scales. It's an electronic scale. Yeah. Okay. It measures the body mass index. It measures the weight. It measures the kilocalories that you produce, that, that you yeah. consume, mm-hmm. the fat content, and the visceral fat as well. Wow, that's a pretty impressive scale. What kind of scale is that? You know, I, the one that I have at home just tells me how many pounds I am. <laughs> it's a body composition scale. Oh, so that's what people have to yeah, look for. Is it very expensive? No, 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 100 to $200. Okay. I mean, it's mine, reasonable. Mine so serving me for eight years or so. So it shows, let's say if you're, I think you mentioned your BMI is around 23 or something, because you no, seem no, to be no, very no. fit. It's 21 to 22. Wow. Okay. So you, you get a reading on your BMI every day when you get on the scale. That would change if you had a couple of ice creams, you kind of let your That's guard down. I'm staying away from ice creams. <laughs> I know. I see everybody loves ice, especially in the summertime and it's hot. It's very hard. Okay. But you can get uh, stevia sweetened Ice cream yes. too. Yeah. I, I, I haven't found it. that yet. They have that in, in British Columbia because I haven't seen a stevia ice cream. You mean like from the supermarket or well, in, no, from an no, ice cream no. shop? In Kelowna, there's a guy who does it in Orchard Park. It's a shopping center. Yeah. And they have, they're selling, oh. it's a, they call themselves Fortuna. It's a, a nice ice shop. They sell both regular ice cream, but also stevia sweetened ice cream. So you can buy that on the internet or something. I mean, no, you can have it shipped to no, you. No, 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 no. You buy it uh, in the store. You, you go there. You have to find Oh, but are those stores all over the... I never heard of that There's store There's not before. too many it... stores. You have to look... Uh, for it's called the... Fortuna? No, no, that's just the local brand here in Kelowna. Uh-huh. Uh, that's okay, I'm going to look into that. There. Okay. I'm living in the interior part of British Columbia. The biggest town here is Kelowna. Okay. K-E-L-O-W-N-A. We even okay. have an international airport. <laughs> I meant to ask you, by the way, stevia, do you feel that like that's a good substitute of all of them? Like they say on the on the boxes, I buy sweet leaf stevia, which I like. I put okay. it to my coffee and stuff too. Do you think it really has zero glycemic where it doesn't yes. elevate your sugar? Yes, so you do feel true. it's pretty safe. Yeah. Okay. It has been, I mean, I wasn't... has been used by the Japanese for about 400 years. Oh, wow. That's I didn't know that. I thought it was from South America. Maybe that's I thought it was why, a South American. That's why it's Japanese. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Before we get into the supplements, which I know a lot of patients want to know about, again, I find your writing so excellent. And again, I've interviewed some really interesting people. I met people over the years. I think I mentioned to you before, I trained a little bit with Dean Ornish many, many years ago. And then everybody moved away from the vegetarian diet. Then it became very big, the paleo and the keto. And and I think you mentioned yourself that you're sort of between a pescatarian or you were, and then now a little more vegetarian. What, what's your typical diet? What do you think is the healthiest way to eat too? It's the Mediterranean diet, but not the Mediterranean in North America, but the Mediterranean in villages in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. Like in Greece or Italy? Because in, in North America, we eat too much pasta. That they People love to overdo uh-huh. pasta. You're going to take that out because it turns into sugar and turns into heart attacks. Well, even like, you know, I interviewed Walter Longo recently. He said in the village where he went from, they eat pasta. I just don't think the portions that we do, but they eat a lot of green beans and stuff in it. So they do have some carbohydrates. So you say not at all? Black black beans. Black bean pasta? I like that. Because it has more fiber and it's a slower digestion process. You don't get the glycemic reaction. So what would be typically like what you would, are you eating any meat at all or any fish or not anymore? Yeah, I'd eat some chicken. You eat some chicken? I eat uh, hardly any red meat. And how about fish? Uh, I, had, I had prostate cancer five years ago. 
I don't want it back. Okay. And you think the red meat definitely inflames? Uh, red meat has some negative effect on it. Okay. It's a metabolite in the gut, which is carcinogenic. Oh, okay. Even the World Health Organization has uh, recognized that last year. You know what I worry about though? Like, and it happened to me, but I've seen it to other patients as well. Like my vegetarian patients, their iron stores and a lot of their minerals are very, very low. And again, this is why we're going to be talking about supplements. But are you concerned though that people avoid red meat completely? That No, I'm not concerned if they eat spinach. Yeah. Uh, it's sometimes they still find it hard to get their iron levels. Their ferritin levels are usually well below 40. You know, a lot of these... Well, I have mine checked and it's normal. Yeah. All right. So you eat a lot of spinach and lentils? Uh, spinach How about lentils? I like. Lentils yeah. too? Nah. If I... Every couple of weeks maybe, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. The key is to eat more vegetables and less meat. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's more of the... But uh, I still I still like seafood. I like... Okay. Uh, Salmon, yeah, wild salmon. Mm-hmm. yeah, people like to enjoy themselves a little bit. I think there's this balance, and we're going to get into supplements in a minute. Oh. One more thing, too. What, how do you feel about the medications? I was asking Walter Longo about metformin, even though he's not really involved with that, where David Sinclair and some of the other people here, Dr. Barzilai at Einstein. It's a fashion among the anti-aging mm-hmm. physicians right now. What do you think about that? Well, I'm looking at the side effects of it. You can easily Google yeah. that. There's a, a, a rat tail of side effects, and that's not very mm. good. Okay, so it doesn't sound like you're a fan. I don't like it. I don't take it. Mm-hmm. And what about Lipitor? Do you think most people could do, if they really were strict about their diet, they wouldn't be needing these cholesterol-lowering medications? Or do you think... Uh, that's a statin. It's not a good idea. You think it's not a good idea? No, look at the side effects again. It's too many Too many side, side effects. effects. Okay. All right. So it's better to do it by diet. It's better to do it by diet. Be and disciplined. All you have to do is uh, switch over, have less red meat, have more vegetables. Okay. But I also like to eat organic vegetables as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And what about cheese? You avoid cheese? That's another... Uh, no, I, I, I like You cheese. don't think that causes increase in fats, triglycerides? A little bit of fat is okay. Yeah. All right. So you like cheese. Okay. Yeah. But it has to be European cheese because I don't trust the U.S. milk. Oh, okay, that's a very interesting one. <laughs> you don't like you don't because like our cows, okay? No, it's a bovine growth hormone. I don't like yeah. the practice of the farmers. Do they use it in Canada as well, or no? No, it's illegal. Wow, I know we just were too lax in Europe. It's illegal wow. too. Okay, let's get on to vitamins and supplements. That's also, I find very interesting. You're writing on this. I talk to my patients all the time, as I mentioned. You wrote in your book that you view supplements as an insurance policy. It's not a guarantee of obviously super health, but we're all trying to help our own odds. And there's a lot of confusion, as I mentioned in the introduction, as to what supplements are beneficial and what's a waste of money. And you break down in your book, A Survivor's Guide to Successful Aging, how you go through like five-step process of what you think vitamins should cover. So I want to ask you, we'll go through some things. I also see patients who have chronic fatigue. So I'm familiar with a lot of these and I recommend them. But again, I want to talk about how people should take them. And, you know, because I strongly believe in the route, not just swallowing pills, but whether it's sublingual, whether it's liquid versus powder is very important. So let's go through your five steps. And I want to ask you if you feel they're critical or, you know, how they should be geared. So you talk about the first one, fight oxidative stress. And you mentioned B vitamins, vitamin C, acetylocarnitine, alpha-lipoic acid, L-glutathione. Tell me, what, do you consider that like everybody should be taking that? 
or over a certain age? At the end of what you just talked about, I'm summarizing that there is, I think, five groups or six groups. Yes, five groups I have here. Yeah. yeah. The key is it starts with the antioxidants. So vitamin C typically is in there. Mm-hmm. Right. The B vitamins, folate. There's acetyl L-carnitine, alpha-lipoic acid. I don't take all of them. I take some of them. But the point I want to make is if you take maybe two or three of those categories, they all overlap. So they work yes. all together like in, in okay. synergy. The next one is an anti-inflammatory, vitamins with anti-inflammatory action. They're fighting inflammation. Mm-hmm. A big one here is vitamin D3. I yes, take, you're a big fan of that, I know. I take a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you about vitamin D3. I'm just curious your experience. Like, I tell patients all the time, I like liquid vitamin D3 where they put it under their tongue or under the tongue because I believe that when people swallow all these pills and then they have to be broken up by the stomach, then it has to go to the liver to be detoxified. So then they only get about 20%. But when you take something sublingual, it's as close to an injection as you can get. Do you have thoughts about that? I mean, do you? I don't take it like that. I, I take capsules. Me too. I do measure blood tests. Okay. I just had that done last week and I watch it every three, four times a year. I'm a slow absorber. We found that out. My family doctor is an anti-aging physician mm-hmm. in Kelowna. And he measured me after I had taken 5,000 units per day. And uh, there was not much happening. Right. I didn't absorb much. So now I'm taking 10,000 units every day. Okay. And that gives me a level of 50 to 80 nanograms per ml. Mm-hmm. And that's a good high dose, like a normal high dose. You want to be in the higher dose, you want to be above 30 nanograms per ml because otherwise your immune system doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've written a lot about that on Quora. You had pretty right. strong beliefs about it helping against COVID and I'm a lot of I'm thinking of writing a book on vitamin D. <laughs> Are you? Okay, oh, so that's what you're a big fan. What about things like, again, alpha-lipoic acid? Like I take it, and I know it's supposed to be good for mitochondria and stuff too. Do you take that? Do you like that as a, a supplement? I used to take it, but I didn't really find a difference. So Yeah, well, well, so many of these things you don't. It's very subtle, so that's why my wife, it's so tricky. My wife complained that we take so many pills, uh, we have to cut down. Well, it's costly too, right? My bill could be over 100 something dollars for all the vitamin supplements. I spend a lot of money on vitamins. But your yeah. telomeres get elongated, and you can add about five years of life because of that. That's a Chinese publication. Yeah, I think so many people today too, besides getting living longer, want to also live a better quality of life. So many of us in their 50s, 60s, if you're lucky to 70s or 80s, most people do not age well. We mm-hmm. see that. And I think we're all looking for that secret of how to stay mentally sharp, physically viable, you know, and enjoy our life. You work your whole life right. to hopefully get to a point where yep. you can enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Not even just retirement. I, mean, I love what I do. I don't know if I'll ever retire, but it's like, you just want to be in the game. You want to. Maybe we should go back to those five categories. Yes. The next one is preserving mitochondrial function. Yes. Mitochondria are the energy packages in each cell. Right. There are thousands in brain cells and in heart cells, and there's sort of hundreds in many other cells. Mm-hmm. One of the key supplements, you mentioned coenzyme Q10. Yeah, coenzyme Q. Or sometimes people want ubiquinone. Which do you prefer? Do you like, does it matter to you or? It doesn't matter. I buy mm-hmm. CoQ10. 
Okay. CoQ10, I take 400 milligrams yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're older, you should have about 400. When you're younger, you're okay with 200. Okay. And you feel that gets into the mitochondria? I know I talk to patients all the time. I, you know, it's interesting. I did a lot of training with someone for chronic fatigue, which I do in my practice. And we do IV vitamins, which I'll get into later. But one of the three or four main supplements that my mentor, Dr. Teitelbaum, recommended was CoQ10. It was D-ribose, which I don't see you mention that much, and alpha-lipoic acid as and acetyl-L-carnitine. These were like the four things that he felt were critical to helping mitochondria produce ATP, which we all, I like to explain to my patients is like the money of the cell. I mean, right. the energy of the cell. So you, you do feel that's important because we, like everything, things go down in our body. I mean, our hormones decrease as we age. I'm sure different mineral and vitamins and, you know, the biochemical processes that go on in our body probably slow down or decrease as we age. Yes. Others are acetyl-L-carnitine, mm-hmm. alpha-lipoic acid. Mm-hmm ginger root extract, ginseng, and selenium. Selenium stimulates the immune system. Yeah. So that's number category three. Category four would be prevent insulin resistance. That's important for people who gain weight. Obviously, they need to cut down their calories, but they can also take supplements. Uh, Ginseng is one of them. Green tea extract, magnesium, those are... You've also put down beta carotene. Now, I know sometimes you say to be careful about vitamin A, and I think you've said in your writings on Quora, you normally wouldn't recommend people take vitamin A because you can get toxicity. So that's, again, an example right. people have to be careful. But beta carotene, do you recommend? I know there's been some controversy over the years about that, whether there's increased lung cancer from it or whether it does anything. Are you a fan or? Uh... I just take beta carotene from uh, my vegetables. You do, right, from your carrots or from I anything anything orange? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't take it separately okay. like as a supplement. Mm-hmm. How about chromium picolate? Do you think that's a good thing to take? People who, like, the question now becomes, is, is it too many pills that you're swallowing? What would you say is the line? I mean, I, I think I have my own line. To me, about 10 to 12 is enough. That's what I say to patients. is like, you don't want the whole kitchen sink. Whatever maybe your medical issue is, geared toward that, right? Right. You don't want to hear how many I take. I take 30 today. Oh, it's none of your wife's really on your case. <laughs> yeah. But we were up to 35 or so. so she but, you know, down. again, Dr. Ray, you know what I, again, I say to my patients, and maybe I'll say to you, when I see sometimes these people bring in these hard vitamin pills, which I think right. is so hard for the stomach to digest, I'm constantly recommending lozenges, powders, things that are easier absorbed into the system. Because we all know, too, our stomach acid decreases as we age. And that makes it harder to, I think, get the full benefit of the vitamins. That's why, again, I like the sublingual route or on the tongue the mm-hmm. best, personally. But So the fifth category is providing membrane integrity. That's kind of sounds very scientific. Yeah. But it's an important one. Beta-carotene fits in here, garlic, selenium. What about the fish oils? Now, you mentioned cod liver oil in one of them, and there's a lot of controversy. I've heard at meetings, yes. some people say all the fish oils are contaminated, no matter what they say. Other ones say... No, I, I, I take fish oil that uh, has gone through a filter. Distilled, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you take a couple a day to... It's mercury-free. Yeah. Well, I come from a family with a strong history of arthritis. And there used to be a guy in Europe called Dan Dale Alexander, or was he, he, no, he was in the US, I think. Okay. But that's, we're talking about the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And he 
suggested that you should mix fish oil with like uh, orange juice mm. and take that on an empty stomach. Uh, I've heard that for gallstones. Some people recommend or olive oil. They take yeah, okay, that with lemon juice. Yeah. So what I take, I take two fish oil capsules in the morning and two at night. So it's a bit of a higher dosage. Mm-hmm. But I don't have arthritis. Did you have arthritis before? Did you have some? Uh, yes, I had. I had a bit. Okay. But I had also arthritis in my spine, which I had treated with laser therapy and uh, stem cell therapy in Europe. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I have my feelers out for things that help. Okay. But it's completely, I would say, it's alternative medicine. It's mm. not mainstream. Okay. But it's catching on. There's more and more physicians who now. Oh, yeah. The public is demanding. And I know here in the United States, obviously, most of the patients that are coming to me are interested in holistic medicine. But, but you know, like anything, too, they should be monitored. I mean, sometimes people go to, quote, health practitioners who aren't really have a high type of training who are recommending a lot of things right. and nobody's checking. I mean, you can get toxic from vitamin D. You can, you can get bleeding if you, you know, take too many things that thin your blood. I mean, vitamin it's... Vitamin D toxicity, you need 150 nanograms. It's, it's rare, but it's happened. You have to watch out also. It's interesting. I had a patient, they were taking way too much vitamin D, like 50,000 units a couple times a week. And they started to get severe fatigue. Right. So, I mean, it's rare, but it can happen. No, it's, I don't think it's that rare. It's, people think when a little bit is good, uh, more, a lot more better. is better. Right. That's a fallacy. They have to watch. Well, because also vitamin D, as you know, and you're doing your book, it's a hormone. It's not just a vitamin. And we call it a vitamin, right. but it, you know, it has to do with the calcium metabolism. And all the cells have vitamin D receptors. That's why it's a hormone. Yeah. But going back to those five points, the key is to maybe take two or three of each category. Okay. And don't overdo it. Okay. Because they're, they're overlapping. So yes. there's, there's no okay. point in adding more and more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that thought. But what's really important is physical activity every day. Mm. Sure. Because that prevents a lot of disease. Yeah, that's the secret uh, secret to living a we long life. From regular medicine. Yeah. yeah. I think so many times when people like here in the United States, they hear about the paleo diet. They say, oh, these people, cavemen, they live so long. They didn't live so long. They, a lot of them died from infections and other problems. But the thing right. was, they were constantly on the move because this was before agriculture and stuff like that too. They were walking probably eight to 10 miles a day. And they so didn't that get physical, any unless they were and then they killed it. it, right? It was good for a day. It wasn't like they had a lot of leftovers. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk about hormones because you did bring that up. And as an anti-aging specialist, I you seem to support in your core writings that hormone replacement maybe is underutilized. But my question to you, just so I get an idea, is it safe? I mean, there's been a lot of controversy with the women with estrogen and progesterone replacement and men, a lot of men all want testosterone replacement, but there's always concerns about cancer or other issues. What's your thoughts on hormone replacement? Unfortunately, in 2002, they had to stop the Women's Health Initiative. There was a big trial, which was done in the US, and they were hoping to show that hormone replacement would prevent osteoporosis and would prevent breast cancer and would prevent other diseases. But what happened is they found they took the wrong hormones. They took synthetic hormones instead of bioidentical hormones. So they proved that synthetic hormones don't work because women came down with breast cancer and women did get osteoporosis despite the estrogen 
it, it sort of backfired. And ever since, women have been very afraid of hormone therapy. Right. So we have, right. To, point, and they suffer. We have to point out that if you're talking about hormone replacement after menopause, you have to stick to bioidentical hormones. So they are molecularly the same as the ones that she made before the menopause. Different plant substances, right? I'd like to just clarify for our listeners who may not be familiar with it. Bioidentical hormones are hormones that are compounded or made that look very similar to our own hormones versus back in the day, the estrogens that were, were taken from horse urine right. and stuff like that too. So they were not similar to our right. hormones. And that's what we believe caused the problems. Because some of the synthetic hormones have side chains that don't fit the hormone receptor. So they actually block it. And that's what makes you sick. What about testosterone in men? A lot of these men are getting pellets put in. They got injections. Men, men, were, androgel. men were a lot luckier than women because back in the 80s, mid-80s, there was still one of the testosterone compounds which had one of those sachets on it, and that caused liver cancer. Right. After that was detected by the FDA, they blocked They said it's illegal. We can't produce it anymore. Right. And ever since, they have been producing testosterone compounds that are easily metabolized. So we really release the testosterone, whether it's injectable pellets or otherwise. But it, it cannot be uh, taken by tablets because of the liver metabolism. Right, right. It can't be oral. You have to give it either by cream or you have to do the injection. And that has been shown to increase prostate cancer yeah. or anything like that? I mean, I know sometimes it can cause clots. We've seen some patients. There has been a lot of discussion on the internet and everywhere, but the conservative physicians are sometimes against supplementations because they think that it would cause prostate cancer. But some of my contributions to Quora, I have described the history of where this comes from, the fear of prostate cancer. And it goes back to 1945 to a surgeon who cut out testicles thinking that that would help uh, to cure prostate cancer. What he cut out was estrogen production. Mm. There's uh, estrogen in testicles too. And that's what that effect was. Oh. But ever since that story remained, and it's only about 10, 15 years ago, that Dr. Morgan Thaler, a Harvard professor of urology, mm -hmm. that he wrote a book on that. And he gave several lectures at the anti-aging conferences in Las Vegas. He explained that it's a lack of testosterone which causes prostate cancer. Men are getting prostate cancer when they're older. Mm. And it's that when they get older, they also tend to produce less testosterone. So the key is to spot this point when you get less testosterone in your blood and then replace the testosterone. What about DHEA, which is produced, I believe, by the adrenals, sort of a precursor to testosterone and some of the hormones? Do you, what, what's its place? Yeah, it's a hormone out of which you can make testosterone. But the problem is that the metabolism is different in every person. Mm. So DHEA is important for axillary hair growth, also for beard growth, and a little bit for hair on the head. It's also important for energy. But if you now take too much of a supplement on DHEA, we have the same problem that we can overdose and you can get side effects for it. So I only take a minimal amount, uh, 10 milligrams of DHEA. You do take it. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. because I'm too old. I'm 76. God, you look 15 to 20 years younger. 
so I guess the anti-aging stuff is working. <laughs> is there any other things that we haven't really spoke about that we think we should touch upon in, in people's overall health? We talked about vitamins. The question is, do you want to discuss vitamin D3 more about COVID-19? Yes. Yeah. I would like, yes. Let's touch on that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can prevent COVID-19 if you had high enough uh, vitamin D doses. That's the reason why I'm taking high doses of vitamin D3. And it's very interesting how that developed. Many years ago, it was said that 400 international units per day would be the recommended dose. Right. Because that was the dose that prevented rickets and right. kids. Mm-hmm. So they were thinking, they were convinced that that's all we needed. But for the immune system, in order to have enough vitamin D3, you need not only vitamin D, you need 13 other supplements. Shall I quickly go through them or not? Yes, yeah, no, please, yeah. So in order for the immune system to work, in the very beginning of the talk, you mentioned that you wanted to make sure that the immune system is strong. Well, in order to make it strong, you have to have 14 supplements. It's vitamin A, C, D, E, B6, B12, folate. You need the minerals, iron, magnesium, zinc, selenium, and copper. Mm -hmm. And you need omega-3 fatty acids as well as probiotics. So if you have all of those, your immune system will be strong. Okay. But the vitamin D is the most important of those 14. It is. You need need to measure blood levels the way I mentioned before. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, your blood level has to be between 50 and 80 nanograms per ml. And it's rare that I see that. I mean, I have some people that are very conscious of it. Just a quick question too. Any particular probiotic that you favor? It's such a wild west, I always tell patients. People ask me all the time, what's the best probiotic? And it doesn't seem like there's really any one. Do you look for a certain type or? I buy them from the health food store. <laughs> okay, so you don't have a specific, yeah, what, which particular? One, no, okay. No. Okay. It's a one, one capsule a day, yeah. but I, I, I'd go for the higher end, like the 80 million. 80, 80 billion, probably, yeah. Uh-huh. 80 billion, yeah, sorry. Right, yeah. Let me ask you something that really goes back to European work. And actually, you know, it's interesting. There's a doctor who I haven't had a chance to interview yet, Andreas Mikkelsen. He's from Germany, actually. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He wrote a very interesting book called The Nature's Cure. And what he talks about in that book, it's very interesting because I think it's more prevalent in European hospitals. He's a very big proponent of saunas, of contrast therapy, you know, hot, cold showers, enemas. I was just curious if you have any experience or thoughts so on those things. about detoxification. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the skin can get rid of toxins by sweating. So that, that would be the principle of right. the sauna. Mm-hmm. There's another one you didn't mention. It's called chelation therapy. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, I do IV vitamin therapy in my office. I don't use, I use glutathione and stuff like that too. But there's also where they use EDTA. Mm -hmm. I use both glutathione and EDTA. Mm -hmm. Every two months, I do uh, EDTA intravenous treatment myself. And what are you hoping that's doing for you? You think that's removing toxins from your body? I noticed at one point, a couple of years back, it was actually my family doctor who took some blood tests. He found out that I was too high in copper. Interesting. And okay. it turned out, I think, that the copper comes from the organic food that I'm eating. Okay. I think it's healthy, but they're using copper sulfate uh, to, to spray it, to get rid of oh, the wow. wow. And I okay. absorbed that, and I seem to be one of those guys who accumulated. So okay. I had a couple of 10 treatments then from a collation doctor in town, 
and it solved all my problems. I, I had sort of weird, weird symptoms from it. And when that was the treatment was finished, uh, all of that was gone. Interesting. So now yeah, I just no, do it's... it for maintenance. And when that doctor told me, well, you're a physician, you can do that yourself. And he showed me how to do it. So I do it at home. <laughs> oh, you do your own IV? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And my wife. <laughs> okay. At home stuff. One other topic too with detoxification, what's your feelings about this whole thing with methylation too? Do you feel like you know, a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of the holistic community. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's, it's maybe 10, 15% of people have methylation defects. It's a certain enzyme defects. Right, the MTHFR, that's the big one that people yeah. get concerned about. Do you feel it's so really they, important? They do, well, they do well with supplements. Mm-hmm. Let me just check that thing, a frame on that. I thought I can find it, but uh, not so simple. But do you believe that patients should aggressively treat that if they... Whoever has that enzyme defect, yes, they should see somebody who knows about it mm -hmm. and they should get treatment for that. Yeah. One last thing too on the vitamin D3, you know, because I, I read a really good book by Richard, I think it was Dr. Goodman. He was a cardiologist, functional medicine cardiologist here in the United States from South Africa originally. And he wrote a book about K2, that people taking vitamin D3 should also take it with K2. Yes, I take... I take 200 micrograms per day of vitamin K2, and I take the 10,000. Because that's supposed to help the bones and help get leach the... Yes, uh... it's very important. It's, it's uh, taking calcium out of the arteries mm -hmm. and puts it into the bone. That's where it belongs. It doesn't belong in the arteries. It belongs in the bone. Okay. Right, because a lot of people, I think, okay, well, that's an example. And, you know, in the United States, it went back and forth. Well, everybody needs calcium support, drink your milk or whatever. And now we're finding that the calcium that people were taking, especially supplements, was actually getting deposited in the arteries. Yes. So, again, that's something you probably wouldn't recommend patients taking calcium. Personally, I don't, but I take the occasional and acid, there's calcium in there too. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. Like that's for stomach acid. Yeah. But the, the Key is that we take the K2 and the D3 combined, like both. Yes. Because that mm -hmm. You need D3 to deposit the calcium also uh, in the bone, not only K2. Right, right. No, but the combination is important. I mean, I, I take a liquid supplement. It's called right. from LiveWise. It has a it has like 2,000 or 4,000. I mean, it depends how many drops you take of D3 with K2 in it. Because yes. it's, it's hard to, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're also a big fan of like herbs, like ginger and garlic. You you find that really important. People should put that into their food. Like I, I like to use it as powders, actually, instead of taking it as it, capsules. It comes from the anti-aging conferences. They they are pretty strong on on herbs. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I'm inherited it from mm -hmm. there. <laughs> and any patient that you were interested, you know, I always find that I. I'm a people watcher, you know, and I suppose when I have a patient that comes in who's like 100 years old, who's very vital, I'm fascinated right away, even though they've come to see me for some help, I am listening and I'm, I'm inquiring yes. everything about their life. And a lot of them, they've either been very physically active, very mentally active, like where they're very, where they, where they, they were supposed to be musicians or researchers who are just constantly mentally stimulated and excited about life. Any, anything that usually usually they are also slim. That's true most of the time. So you're right. I, have, I don't see too many hundred year old no. people that are heavy. Uh, so you think it's heavy. first the you think it's first the body. You're you're basically saying it's mainly the it's the motor before you get to the you know the, the software the coding mm -hmm. essentially like the the brain you know or even people's attitude. I mean, do you are you swayed by over the years? You know, people who are angry, mad. 
sad, depressed, not really living a healthy, long life versus if they just have good genetics or whatever it is, they don't eat a lot. People who live a long time, they are positive thinkers. There was a talk given by Dr. Thierry Hertogi. He's an endocrinologist from Belgium, and he, he's an excellent speaker. He, he has given many lectures at the anti-aging conference in Las Vegas. Like, that's a yearly event. Mm -hmm. And he talked about he a special talk on people who live uh, longer than 100 years. And he, he analyzed them, like what made them live longer. Yeah. And it was the positive thinking. It was being active. It was being watching what you're eating, like a healthy diet. It's basic stuff that everybody can do. Right. I don't know. Sometimes, though, there are kind of people who are kind of ornery and not so nice, and they live to 100 also. <laughs> <laughs> that was the exception. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's better to be nice and have people love you than people hate you. <laughs> That's right. Well, oh, yeah, so socializing is another big thing. Like whoever socializes well, yeah, seems to get uh, grow older. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know you mentioned too. You took a ballroom dancing later on in life. Are you still dancing, yes, or uh, are. yeah? Are you good? At, are you good at it? <laughs> well, we have private lessons too. So okay, you get better as you get uh, you practice more. Mm -hmm. And by the way, too, where are you getting most of your information, you know, with keeping up on all of these things and for your writing? Are you going, are you going to the internet? Are you going to textbooks? I'm just curious, journals, where, what do you? Um... It's, uh, it's mostly internet nowadays. Yeah, it's pretty easy to Google things yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Well, this has been a lot of fun for me. I and I hope for the listeners, I, as I said, I've been following you on Quora. I kind of look forward to it when I relax at night. And busy, I'm checking on my crypto information because I love getting smarter on that. And then your name pops up on my feed, and and I'll see whatever you're you know you're discussing. I feel like I learned something, and I feel good being able to share this with my patients because as we talked about in the beginning, there are, you know you could spend a lot of money on a lot of different supplements, but there are certain key ones as you mentioned, vitamin D3, and some of the other ones you've mentioned in your five categories that make a lot of sense. And somebody wants to again, quote, buy a little bit insurance of hopefully having a, a healthier life as they get older, this is a good choice. So uh, is it all right if we uh, send any of our listeners to ask Dr. Ray on Quora if they shoot you some questions? Are you still open yeah. to uh, sure. doing that? Great. I've really enjoyed this. I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. And I hope our listeners have gotten value out of this. I hope they also listen to the next podcast coming up next month. I'm actually talking to Dr. Amy Prohl on something very interesting, reactivation of viruses due to COVID or Epstein-Barr in chronic fatigue syndrome and how important they are in uh, people's health. So anyway, again, Dr. Ray, thank you for your time. Thank you, Dr. Mitchell. Okay, and if anybody has any questions, please go to my Twitter feed at Dean Mitchell, MD. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Smartest Doctor in the Room with host, Dr. Dean Mitchell. You can continue this conversation on Instagram at Dean Mitchell MD, Facebook at Mitchell Medical Group, or at DeanMitchellMD.com. 